Okay. And oh. it starts recording. So this is our first podcast. Um, I feel like there's just not enough podcasts in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I started wow. this thing. Um, I'm just kidding. My name is Chris there's Hyde. There's no podcast like your podcast. I, maybe that's true. It's the first of its kind. Um, yeah, my name is Chris Hyde, and I run a Natureversity outdoor school here in Austin, Texas, the Natureversity Outdoor School. It's a survival school for kids. And uh, this is geared up towards anyone who's interested in outdoor skills and nature. So today I have with me Kelly Magleby. Uh, how do you like, what, is, what do you like to be called these days? Well, Kelly is what most people know me as. Yeah. And my business name has been Kayenta Fire. And yeah. so people have started calling me Kayenta because they see that name and often I go by that at the gatherings and um, on social media, it's Kayenta. So I go back and forth between those. And you say your business name. What is your business? Uh, pottery, primitive pottery, uh, pottery from the land, all um, hand-built, uh, dug, and you know all the materials that I use, I gather myself and process and then pit fire. So it's all, um, yeah, it's all very nature-centered and connecting to the landscape and the elements, and that's what drew me to it from yeah. the beginning. So, so no wheel, no kiln, nothing but maybe bucket mm -hmm. and a shovel. Yeah, I do use buckets and shovels. Yeah. Those are hard to get away from. I know. <laughs> well, you know, to be honest, what first sparked my interest in you was that video that uh, I think a lot of people have seen, and if you haven't seen it, uh, what's the production company who did it called? It's uh, Steve Olpin with uh, The Talking Fly. The Talking That's Fly. That, Vimeo. that video, and, and you know what's funny is I think how it was portrayed, there was no words. So mm -hmm. I speak, I, I think it, I felt like it spoke to an audience that was the whole world. Mm -hmm. I think everybody watched that, and because I think it has, doesn't it have millions of views? Am I crazy? Mm -hmm. Does it have millions of views? Yeah, it's over a million. Yeah, that was so inspiring. I have never in my life seen a video like that. Afterwards, I saw a couple Roots videos, those guys from Vermont. Those videos are just as inspiring. But that one lit a fire, you know, no pun intended here, mm -hmm. under my butt to go, I got to learn this stuff. And I noticed one of the things you were using, talking back to the buckets and stuff, that you were using like a watermelon. Mm. And you had brought out some stuff that was very primal. And I thought, oh, man, I never thought about just bringing out a melon or a <laughs> water. Why didn't yeah. I ever do that? Because you were yeah. literally mixing up dried clay that you pulled from the earth and softening it right there in that melon with or those like linden leaves or cottonwood leaves, something lining the... Yeah, I lined the pit uh, to, to hold the clay with cottonwood leaves. Yeah. So I was just so inspired, and I knew right then and there, oh, this is real. Because all, like, I'm sure you've seen a lot of primitive pottery classes that are out there are still metal bowls and things like that. And I'm not saying that it detracts from that, but to make those little simple changes are just so cool. Like, hey, I'll, let's all share this watermelon, and then we're going to mm -hmm. use it to go collect clay. <laughs> I think right. that's really neat. Yeah, um, yeah w with everything that um, you've done in pottery... What do you think is, what's, 
what's going on now with it? Do, are you seeing like more students come around to the skill style that you have with the corrugation? Like, are you seeing, do you think your, your business is growing? Your community is growing? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's more and more interest in it for sure. And more and more potters that like know what they're doing because this information is, is accessible. It's being uh, put out there into workshops and at the gatherings. And um, I think it's one of those things that just really draws people, um, anyone that has a desire to um, return to a more natural way of living or connect to the environment, I feel like is drawn to pottery because it, it is su such a reflection of the human experience once you go through it. And I, I think subconsciously, this is mm -hmm. just something that people are drawn to. They don't really know why, but um, it is like a great um, pathway for connecting to nature. So it's just grown and grown. And not only like what I see um, like other people doing, but within my own business, like people asking me to come and teach and people asking me for pots and people asking me how they can do it and go through the steps. And so it's just becoming more and more prevalent in my life, uh, which is awesome and keeps me too busy sometimes, but I, I'm really grateful. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that it's growing because I am this in the same boat. I feel like more people need this stuff in the age of this digital kind of technological run world. And what you said was spot on, right? It's, it, it incorporates kind of primal aspects of life and the four elements. I, I, I know that that metaphor to me is so beautiful. Like pulling earth, adding water, allowing air to dry, right? And firing fire like that just I'll never it's a perfect reflection that. of our experience um, physically because yeah. our bodies are made of the four elements we've mm -hmm. got the the clay is like our our physical body and then mm -hmm. we've got you know water is what do they say like 80 percent of our bodies and then um, you know the electricity running through our bodies is the fire and yeah. then we're you know, constantly breathing so it's like we're we're utilizing these four elements in balance. If you have too much or too little of any of them, um, things go wrong, and it's the same way with the pots. So yeah. it's like it's so it's been so um, fun and fascinating on this journey and discovering these parallels yeah. in what the pots go through. You know, you collect the clay from its source, and you you differentiate it. You you um, you purify it and are able to build with it. And it's like you're asserting your will on this material, mm -hmm. but clay, it actually needs, um, you know, you can't shape it until you add the water element. And water is a very emotional, it, it's usually connected to our emotions. And, um, you know, when people talk about being sad or heartbroken, it's like there's floods or there's rain, and um, so water, water is that like emotion 
And then earth, it like the clay itself is very, um, it's like the foundation. It's very yeah. sturdy. It's dependable. It's mm-hmm. like going to hold you up. Well, the, you know, the opposite side of that coin is it can be very rigid and stubborn and, um, you know, dry. And so when you combine those two elements, all of a sudden you have, you have something that will hold its shape but is also moldable. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, reflecting on that and talking to people about how we want to be, we want to incorporate the elements in our lives and we want to be more like water sometimes. Or some people are even too watery, mm-hmm. too emotional, yeah. and they don't hold their shape. And so our, our goal is to be like, are to be functional pot people. And, you know, and life is fluid and we're all going through different stages and, um, but it's fun to see those parallels, the pots. Yeah, that is a good analogy for life. How like our constitution, you know, the molding, the experiment. Like, I mean, I like, uh, we're both fans of Tom Brown, I feel. And I like that quote of his, uh, an animal is an instrument played by the landscape, right? And mm-hmm. I really like that analogy as applied to us in the pottery world it's like we are the clay and we're being molded by all of these experiences and different things that we've had and so it's always it's always important for me to to take that in and acknowledge like you know even for the situations where I'm like wow that that's a terrible individual or whatever I I have to take a step back and go hold on wait a second what (laughs) what if I was that individual who had gone through all those experiences that led up to this individual's point in this life? Like maybe I would be making those same decisions. So it's hard for me to judge or, you know, cause who knows what's shaped him, what's m- made, you know, that mold of that character, mm-hmm. um, you Definitely. know, what experiences. So mm-hmm. yeah, good, good analogy. So what was the first, like when would you, when did you first get into pottery? W- what was the, or let's back up before that. What got you into survival skills? Because mm-hmm. I know you're into survival. You're big into survival skills in addition mm-hmm. to primitive pottery. Right. Yeah. Um, I yeah, even as a kid, I was always playing outside in nature. Uh, I lived by a river that we would build forts and dam up the river and put up rope swings, and it was just like where I loved to be. So I grew up with a love for nature. Did you grow um, up in Utah? Uh, California, California, and then we moved to Utah when I was 10, so, and I was really lucky to have, um, those places, those, that, those open wilderness places still where now where I live, it, um, has grown, people have just moved in and construction development is covering all those places that I used to play. So it's, it's sad. Same here. Yeah, and I'm really grateful for that experience I had growing up and having that nature connection, and it really shaped who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I got older, um, I found, so like fast forward, and I was in college, I uh, discovered a summer job of working for f- the Philmont Scout Ranch. Yeah. And it was, l- there was like a job fair at my school, and and I was like, oh, that, that sounds like can you, can it would you wor- be really cool. Can you work there without being a Boy Scout? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. See, I, I that was my first question, yeah. too. Like, I really? didn't think <laughs> I was allowed to do that. But, um, and it's funny, too, because I have two brothers, and um, I grew up wanting to do Scouts because I wanted to do what they were doing. Yeah, all the of cool course. C- 
the camps and the uh, fun activities and anyway so maybe there was a part of me that was like still wanting to sure. uh, live that in a sense um or I felt like I'd missed out on something but uh I I was attracted to that job because um and I ended up being a ranger at that um at the ranch which is the the coolest job ever you you hike with the scouts for a couple days and you teach them all the rules of the program and then you're like cut loose essentially for the next I don't know three or four days to like work your way back to the base camp and so you're on your own you have just um, hundreds of acres of land to go play in um and there's scouts hiking all over too but you can you can kind of find the hidden trails and so I <laughs> I really awesome it, it was an awesome <laughs> job I really loved that place and um feel a strong connection to that area still and but there that is where mm -hmm. I was introduced um to the Tom Brown books mm -hmm. by a good friend and I I just fell in love with those mm -hmm. and I read like all of them and yeah, me too. I, <laughs> I was I like them. wow this is amazing <laughs> and um just so like opened up a new world to me not just the nature skills but also that spiritual element of it as well and and I know it's all controversial yeah. but it's it's something that I really um I loved at the time and yeah I who really cares what it was it's inspirational right, right. it now. inspired me for sure <laughs> and I ended up dropping out of college because of it and I quit uh, my job because of it. <laughs> okay, okay I'm gonna like have to hear that story sometime Sam's and I was like <laughs> all right I'm going on two-week vacation and they were like Okay, and I was like, oh, by the way, here's my two-week notice. Oh. They're like, you can't do that. I, like, I just did it. <laughs> yeah. I ran to New Jersey and never came back. Wow, cool. Yeah. Well, so we have similar <laughs> experiences with that because I was like, I don't need, I don't need school. I just need to know um, how to thrive in the wild, yeah, and that's exactly. where I feel at peace. That's where I'm enjoying life and this is how this is the direction that we all should be moving in so I I really believed in that and um you know I was like going everywhere barefoot and really like oh trying yeah, to expand my awareness and um do you yeah. see yourself in Will a little at that age at 20 actually Will, yeah I was like I was like Will is exactly <laughs> like how I was I was always barefoot Long hair, like, uh -huh. you know, trying to hit the drum circles and learn primitive I skills. I think he's a little ahead of where I was at <laughs> at that age. But, um, yeah, but he's, uh, he's a character. Yeah. But I see, I see a lot of you in, you know, where I was. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Because remember, I don't know, when you went to Tom's cl class, did you go to one of his classes? Yep, I went to the standard remember first course. Remember, he said, you're going to quit your job when you get home right you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> drop out of college you're gonna do oh, whatever no. i don't remember him saying that but that definitely happened to me <laughs> yeah that happened to me so we're like the the one percent i'm sure that, okay. that actually happened to That's i don't funny. know but it's, it's so you you leave college you start down this world what was like the first primitive skill you learned for me it was cordage what did you what was your first well one? after i i left uh philmont i uh, went to work at Anasazi, which oh, is a okay, wilderness yeah. program for troubled youth. Right. And that's where the primitive skills really started to evolve for me. And um, I got to say it's fire. Okay. Uh, but we had already, now that I'm remembering, we had um, 
practiced friction fire at the Tom Brown class. So I had already had that experience and that's just so magical and I was hooked. And so they emphasized that at Anasazi and um, also what else were we focused on there? It was cordage and wild edibles. Um, and then also basic life skills like cooking mm-hmm. and or making, you know, how to um, have a fire and have it be safe and uh, be able to use it for cooking, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, finding water, navigating, navigating the terrain. That's a huge one. And that was something that really I learned really well working at Anasazi. Um, yeah. And, and that's where I also discovered, uh, some pottery shards out in the desert. And I remember distinctly, it was like this triangle shaped piece and it had a spiral, a red spiral painted on it. And it it was like, that was it. So magical. Yeah. I really felt like the ancient people were speaking to me and you know Mm. how sometimes you just, um, everything comes together and you feel like you're just in the right place at the right time and there's something magical that happens. And that was how I felt in that moment. Yeah, it's definitely, I felt that moment too. My whole draw into this world was, I was big into conspiracy theories. Like big. Wow, okay. Really (laughs) weirdly into conspiracy theories from an old uh, high school economics professor that we chatted a lot about weird things. and Like where the world is going. Yeah, occult, right, cultic literature, all this weird esoteric, uh, what's that guy's name, Uh, Behold a Pale Horse Guy, David Icke, all Mm -hmm. that type of stuff. And I just started realizing, I was like, man, I was young, I was 20, early 20s, and I didn't know what in the world I was going to do with all that information. And so uh, I had a girlfriend at the time, we were watching a lot of Lost that show and <laughs> I remember <I'm> yeah <laughs> no totally I'm sorry too that show's terrible it's bad but I remember the first season there the guy the main one of the main guys John Locke right he's like this Australian his legs didn't work he gets on this plane to go to this walkabout he crashes and his leg works and he was just like this badass and I wanted to be like that I, I remembered from childhood Growing up and thinking, like, I literally just want to live in the woods. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to live in the woods. I don't know why, but I grew up al- in, you know, parts of Corpus Christi, and I was always out on the beach and parts of Savannah, Georgia, so I was always in the woods and, um, you know, Austin, too. But just, uh, I, yeah, I, f- I felt this connection with nature from a very early moment. But w- in the conspiracy world, I was like, what is this serving me? So I had th- a buddy who, uh, his name was Harlan, and uh, a friend who I still know, John Bush, they ran this Brave New Books down uh, in Guadalupe in Austin, Texas, and they were opening this bookstore, and I was like, I'm just going to give all my conspiracy books to them. And I did, and then as I was leaving, something was like... Like how many books? I'm talking... talking Oh, I'm talking like... (laughs) Hundreds? (laughs) Lots. You were in it. Yeah. In the rabbit hole. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just wanted weird information that no one else had, and Mm -hmm. who knows why. But I, 
was leaving the bookstore that you're donating all these books and dropping them all off. And I thought to myself, hold on a second. Something's calling me. Something's like, come back over here. And they had the survival section. It was like off grading more like than primitive skills. And I went over there, but there was this book sitting on the shelf and it said grandfather. And I was like, what the heck is this? And it was just something like my grandfather was a huge, important part of my life, like really big. And I just picked it up and I looked at the back and I read the cover and I was like, Hey, Harlan, I'm taking this book. And he was like, okay. And I was like, and that was it. That was the moment after I read Grandfather that I was like, I got to go to this guy's school. I got to learn this. Mm -hmm. And the stories were just marvelous. I felt, you know, really like if this was true, we could all do this. We could all live like this. We could wander around the woods and Mm -hmm. now, uh, I don't know. Yeah, like this is the answer. Yeah. And I think it it does tie into the conspiracy theory mindset also because some of the books talk a lot about prophecy. Yeah. About where our world is going. Right. And so it kind of, I can see how you kind of went from one to the other. I didn't really, I don't don't know if I take too much of the prophecy stuff that he says, um, but I really just value the fact that he can tell stories really well. Mm-hmm. Seeing him up there on that stage and hearing those stories are very inspiring, even if they're all lies, mm-hmm. uh, which some people say that they are. I feel like they did their job because I now run a school where hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of kids who come to learn nature from us are finding their own inspiration to go and connect with nature. Mm-hmm. So even if it is all poof, whatever, I don't care. I'm yeah. so excited that I read his books, that I stumbled upon his school, and all of it. So right, same. Yeah. I, and I feel the same way about it. I have I know a dozen other instructors that were so inspired by Tom Brown and his yeah. books, that, and now they're sharing all of this beautiful, right. magical stuff and, you know, improving yeah. uh, the world. So I think it's That's yeah, all I whatever. think it's about. It's mm-hmm. just re igniting passion in the skills Mm -hmm. right themselves with the next generation Mm -hmm. as long as you're doing that they'll remain alive i think um so you got into pottery and and when in this point you were working at anasazi and you said you discovered a pottery shard when was the moment where you went and took your first primitive pottery class it actually wasn't until well there was a small class that we did at anasazi but it was very um it didn't click for me at that point. It wasn't until years later where I had gotten married and had kids, and uh, we would spend, my husband and I would spend all of our free time out hiking and exploring in the Southwest. That was like our passion together. And we would go looking for ruins, and we would find pottery shards, and he grew up kind of in the Southwest, and um, that was something that he kind of introduced to me um having a passion for the the culture of the Anasazi which uh, they're the ancestral Puebloans um some people it's it's more PC to say ancestral Puebloans but um anyway we uh that was when it clicked for me and I just became obsessed with the pottery well all of their um all of their work, their sandals, their rock art, their incredible masonry. And I was just fascinated by this people and um, what they had left behind. Mm-hmm. And, and then I 
because of my experience in the wilderness programs and making things from the landscape, uh, I just, it clicked for me, like, well, they're, they're making these beautiful pots that are lasting for hundreds, sometimes a thousand years, um, just from material that they're finding in this vicinity. And, um, so if I start practicing and can somehow follow in their footsteps, I can, I should be able to make pots like them. And I became obsessed with this idea, but I also feel like it was, it was a calling in a way and being in those canyons and, you know, you pick up a pottery shard and you get like a flash of the last person that touched that or the potter that made it like their essence is still there. And I, I just felt this strong Mm. connection and, um, like I was being, um, encouraged Mm -hmm. to look for clay and try to make vessels. And, um, so yeah, it became an obsession and I, uh, let's see, I did take a couple classes, but I didn't, I found that not many people knew that style specifically. Um, there were a few primitive potters that would go to the gatherings and teach, um, but I wanted to know that style. I wanted to know mm-hmm. um, what are they using for paint? How are they firing? Like, how do they get these beautiful colors? Um, or like the corrugated. Mm-hmm. Like, how are they doing that? And um, it wasn't until I found John Olson at the Slick Rock Gathering in Boulder that um, I found my mentor. I found someone who knew. And yeah. John was pretty much self-taught. And What year was that? That was, let's see, 2010, I think. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you were getting into it right about the time I was getting into it. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was 2010 was when I quit. Okay. Went to Tom's. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. We have a lot of parallels. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to wonder. I'm like, yeah. oh, man, when was that? When was that? So I keep going. So 2009, I, I had become interested. I started, I just went to a ceramic store and bought commercial clay because mm-hmm. I knew that the learning curve would be actually shaping the pots and knowing how to hand build and it was winter where I live and everything was covered in snow so I couldn't go out and search for clay and and by the way the first few times I went out looking for clay I had no idea how to <laughs> identify it and I drove past lots of clay uh, and I just thought that there w- I just thought there was no clay <laughs> yeah so it's really funny how you know once you start to recognize oh, yeah. and it's like oh it's yeah, right it's there it's everywhere okay yeah it's everywhere it's all over I'm like I gotta go totally. to Tennessee to find it <laughs> so <laughs> um so yeah I found John and we became really good friends and we've even today we hang out a lot and we teach together often and he's uh, one of my main influences for my work. Um, And then there's been a handful of other potters that have helped out and I was really fortunate and I'm super grateful for all of the potters that um, were open and Mm -hmm. free with their knowledge and experience. And they're not all like that. Yeah. I I feel like pottery can be a very competitive, um, like, career path and uh so some people are very closed off but i i've been um fortunate enough to find people that love to share yeah and so i i tried to be that way in turn and just 
you know, the more people that get into it, the better. There's more than enough clay for all of us to make pots and um, we're in the process, you know? Yeah. I think that's a lot of, you know, mentors can detect that. True mentors can detect that when they see that in their mentees. Like, I've got uh, one of my apprentices, you know, she came on board and wanted to do this internship and it costs all this money and I was just like, wait, like, are, you've already been going to my Lumber Society classes and all these other things. And I just knew, like, her heart was in this. And I was just like, I just want you to come help us. Like, just come. I don't, you don't need any to do anything. You don't have to pay anything. Like, just come be a part of this. And so I think when people show that passion, the mentors are really a lot more excited to give their wisdom. You know, so I think you came with that genuine authenticity of, hey, I'm not looking to reap anything off of doing all this. Like, I genuinely want to know mm-hmm. on a deeper level how these people existed, what was their expression in art, in this pottery, and in all of this stuff, that they, the way they lived. So I, I, you can tell when people mm-hmm. are genuine who just right. want. Right, and I think as a primitive skills instructors, it seems the number one complaint is that people just, People just want the thing. They mm-hmm. want the object, and they don't yeah. care so much about the process. Right. But, you know, when I got into it, I very much was wanting to learn. Like, um, like I had a passion for it, and mm-hmm. I was wanting to learn each step. All so, yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. I'm like, I want to know every single part of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel just because of what you just said – there's a couple of things happening when, you know, I went to Tom Brown's school, you know, Tom, like you may be when you know, he didn't teach a whole lot. He gave a lot of stories, but his, his teachers, uh, mine being Matt Corradino and Carmen Corradino and a few others, they were just so good at capturing the essence of the skill. So for instance, if you were making an arrowhead, you know, you were not just making an arrowhead, you were honoring the legacy that went into the heritage of the skill of making that arrow, arrowhead, you were honoring the stone, right? It's older than all mm. of us combined sitting in this classroom together today. Like we're not only honoring that, but we're just honoring the animal that this stone may take the life of. We want to do our best job to make sure it's a proficient, clean kill for that animal's existence. And it just goes on and on and on. So being more mindful and intentional with whatever you're physically doing. Really? It's huge. And it's so funny how people, they like when I took this bow making class, they were like, attention to detail, attention to detail. And and I thought that they actually were stressing, like, look real close, (laughs) like, at everything and, like, you know, get down. But I realized the essence of what they were trying to say was, like, really have this communication with this piece of wood, Mm -hmm. you know. And I thought to myself, like, oh, wait. I don't know that language. So the instructor, you know, you yourself with pottery, is here to translate that for you. Because you're speaking a whole new language now, and I think that's what we are here to do as mentors, is to help bridge that communication gap. Because you saw Nora struggling with that corrugation, but she stuck it out. I mean, that's how you get results. And I, I noticed everyone else who gave up like after two or three times, I'm like, that's why she's got two bowls. It's, <laughs> it's so rewarding when you see a student struggle through something yeah. and then it eventually clicks. And you know it will if they don't give right. up. And and then that's that beautiful moment where they become empowered. Right. And they're like, wow, I 
I, you know, I learned how to do something I didn't think I could do right. a few hours ago. And, um, but I was also thinking off of what you just said, how we went, when we went down into the wash to find the clay, Yeah, it was like learning that language or looking closer, you know, it, it really looking closer and, and also feeling yeah. and, um, really helps with identifying pure clay versus something that's very silty or something that's not going to be as workable. Mm -hmm. And so I, I felt like that was such a good lesson for everyone to see um, that will help them in the future when they're finding clay. Um, but it's like any of the skills when you, when you're learning plants, if you can really slow down and look closer, yeah. you will see the minute details that help you identify that plant in the future. And, and it is building a relationship with it. And, and then it'll like jump out at you from the landscape right. in the future. So. Yeah. It's as long as it's brought into your awareness, I think yeah. it's so funny how many of my friends or even the kids, I'll be like, Hey, look at that Cara Cara. And they're like, well, what? I'm like a cara cara, like it's like a Mexican eagle. You don't know cara cara, and they certain those like, are cool birds. Yeah, they're yeah. really cool. And then all of a sudden, the kids are like, I don't know, just like notice they're everywhere. <laughs> like, well, they've always been everywhere. You just never noticed them before, uh, you know. Right. So it's brought to your awareness. Mm -hmm. Those moments for the kids are always fun, especially you know through pottery. We have them, um, you know, dig out clay and do that stuff, and just watching them realize, like, oh wait you know, this is going to stay this shape forever. Like and they're four and five years old and uh, just no, seeing them, I'm like, just put it in the sun. And, and then they like accidentally drop it and it shatters and they have this like, ah, uh, like it's, I love clay to me is just seeing young kids work with it is so neat because of the way it just reacts. It's like instant gratification mm -hmm. for them to just, mm -hmm. you know, with all of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, we yep. build these like fairy houses and we use little acorn caps and we put it on top and we put little, it's almost like snowmen style with the clay. And then sometimes we take it and we, the kids have to make a clay figurine and then they have to build a survival hut and the clay figurine has to go inside there. Nice. And then I <laughs> douse the hut with water. And if their little clay figurine like melts, <laughs> then they know you didn't have a good survival. They didn't survival. make yeah, it right. They didn't make it. <laughs> And uh, so there's a lot more uses for clay than just typical pottery things. Um, they mm -hmm. were making oh, definitely. pipes uh, and all Have you seen uh, like coating uh, food, like a fish, if you wanted to cook a fish yeah. in the fire? Or you can do it with, you know, root vegetables and you just c put a coating of clay, put it in the coals and yeah. that will bake it like that. And it's it's so incredible it yeah. how you can do that. There's... Um, even I think last time the kids did it, when it peels, it just like takes the skin of the fish right off because it sticks to it, right? Something like that. It's what I remember them doing when the you that makes sense because yeah. it's all encrusted in there. When you rip it off, the skin stays attached to the clay, so you're just getting. I think the uh, what no I scales. saw was um, the fish was first wrapped in leaves. And oh, then the okay. Clay went over that. The so, kids but just that, threw yeah. the clay right on top of this fish and just <laughs> let it go. I was like, ah, hey, that's a good try. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm getting more into how clay is used medicinally. Yeah. And as that's been a thing like forever. Like as a drawing agent. Mm -hmm. and Internally uh, and externally, it's got like 
so many healing properties. Internally, and, huh? Mm-hmm. Not just any clay you would want to use internally, but there are certain pure sources that sure. are re- really good for digestion or for like food poisoning. Um, I, I'm like really getting into this and awesome. really excited about learning more so yeah i wonder if there's some more sources out there for information like that i've never i've heard of a little like like the bentonite type stuff impurities and stuff like that but nothing like super medicinal as far as clay uh, clay goes you'd be surprised i can i can tell you some stories at least that i've read so um i'm gonna start experimenting with it myself and what about like um primitive filters things like that have you ever looked into that like, extensively with ceramics or not extensively, but I know, you know, like your uh, backpacking filters are ceramic, right? That's so what I'm, I'm like, there's gotta be it's possible. You would just have to do some testing. Yeah. On it. And, and I, I did, I told you how I, <laughs> I made like a coffee filter out of, I made like a clay cone. Yeah. And, yeah, you were telling and then us that. It, so it would drip the coffee slowly through um, <clears throat> because I added, I think even coffee grounds to the clay. So then when I fired it, Whoa. um, it created a really porous vessel because all the coffee grounds burn away. And so then when you're, you know, you pour your hot water <coughs> in there and with the coffee grounds and it'll just slowly, uh, drip through, but it, it was going too slow. And that was like the joke was that yeah. it would take took, hours took to make forever. the cup of coffee. So, <laughs> I'm now, yeah, now I'm real intrigued. I'm like, I wonder how they so make So many those things you can do Ceramic filters. Because they're so small and light and portable. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what it, how do they do that? I've heard of like graphene water filters, things like that. It seems like but it's closer to a porcelain type clay where it's so fine grained. Wow. Um, and there's like, it doesn't have temper, you know, like our, our pit fires, we need to use temper to yeah. help things be more resilient. But those... Those ceramic filters are very pure and refined. Yeah. So it'd be cool to look into. I want to look into that. We can both do some homework. I know. We should. So uh, what else do you have going on? What's coming up for you? I've got, I have a pretty busy summer coming up. Um, Three gatherings that I'll be teaching at and then several workshops. Um, Another one here in Austin next month is uh, with... My friend Jessica Van Ness, uh, it's a women's empowerment retreat. Nice. <laughs> and her her uh, organization is called Process Ceramics. And I'm really excited to be working with her. I, lo- I love her vision. And um, it's something that will, it's something that we share and wanting yeah. to empower people through pottery and, and the lessons that the clay naturally teaches. Yeah. But just emphasizing that. <laughs> So it's not about the pot. It's about the, you know, but the steps that you go through and what you learn along that journey to making the vessel. And then the vessel kind of reflects your own um, experience. It's like a reflection of you. Tying it all back together, (laughs) Kelly. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. And then I've got... um, What are the gatherings, the three gatherings you're teaching? uh, I'll be at Buckeye next month. Is that California? uh, uh Uh-huh. And then Between the Rivers is also in May. That's in Washington. Washington. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then um, Fire to Fire is in Utah. Utah. That's that's the newest... I tried to get tickets. They sold. They they were they like sold out no. Fast. Yeah, yeah, I think because it's like along the Wasatch Front, and there's so many families and so many people. It yeah. just was like 
goes uh, fills up really fast. No worries. I'll be doing summer camps all summer anyway. So, mm-hmm. well, that's exciting. And then after the gatherings, you got anything else? It's a um, busy year for yeah, you. Yeah, I You're mean, rabbit, rabbit stick is yeah. in September, and I'm uh, looking at relocating. I'm I live in northern Utah right now, and I'm looking at moving to southern Utah. So, I'm gonna. Um, need some time to, yeah. uh, to do That's that. That's a big transition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, yeah, but I'm looking forward to it. Very good. Well, we got to spend uh, three days hanging out together. Um, you flew in from Utah to spend some time with myself and the instructors here, and we just thank you so much for coming and doing that. And it was funny, I think, I don't know if I told you, but I told the staff, when... I had a nature school, like, when I was like, okay, this is it. It's legit. It's all, you know, up and running. Like, my, one of my bucket list items was to have you come here and teach us pottery. Nice. And so I told everyone, yes. I was like, I was like, I just scratched something off my bucket yeah. list. And they were like, what is it? And I was like, having <laughs> Kelly come here and teach all my staff. Um, because to me, there is no buddy better, in my opinion. I'm just like, I don't know why. I mean, I'm Aww. totally biased. I'm so sorry, anybody <laughs> out there who is a potter. I love all your work, but yeah. Um, so it's I was such a personal, like individual thing, you know, so yeah. it's hard to, everyone has their strengths. And but I, but again, I think it's because I heard you share that same essence that I was captivated by in the beginning of this path that I'm on, which mm-hmm. is the meaningfulness in the process mm-hmm. and the collection. And, and like, not a lot of the potters talk about that. They're like, all right, let's jump in. And you're like, great. But like, I want to hear like when you dove into the history and some of the Anasazi, like all the staff, like we, when you were gone, we, we laughed. I was like, yeah, I could have sat there and just listened to her talk about that for hours. <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah, we didn't even do any pottery because <laughs> yeah, right. we were just so captivated by how excited you were to share what you knew about mm-hmm. pottery and, and, uh, Anasazi yeah. and all of it. So and that's been the evolution for me is yeah. um, uh, like incorporating more of that uh, spiritual side of it and mm-hmm. the different lessons. Um, yeah, and I could, like I told you before, I could talk about pottery for days and days. Yeah, because <laughs> it's so freaking awesome. Yeah. I just love that skill so much. So. Well, well I, I've been so impressed by what you have going here, and I, I'm really inspired. I love your community that you've created and what you've built when, and sharing with all the kids. Like, thank you so much for, yeah. for inviting me out here. I really appreciate having I've you. I've been blown away, honestly. Very cool. Now we got to do this, and you can tell other people that they should go on and sit down and chat with me, too, because I just like picking people's brains and hearing mm-hmm. people's stories and sharing more of that because I'm sure there's lots of people out there who have taken classes from you and they don't get a chance to sit and hear your story and all that so I want to help people tell their stories so thank you for being on here great yep thank you yeah all right everybody y'all take care we'll see you next time take care bye